Well, let's go down to Fort Worth, Texas and talk some TCU Horn Frogs. Jeremy Clark is joining us of Horn Frog Blitz. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. And guys, before we dive into it headfirst with Jeremy Clark, just a reminder, hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating, leave us a review, because I've got, starting to warm up, by the way, around Big 12 country. You're going to need that koozie here, and I've got a Heartland College Sports koozie with your name on it for free. All you do is leave a rating and a review on the podcast and send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we will get that koozie in the mail for you guys. I appreciate it. Uh, Jeremy, we're going to focus on the football side of things, but uh, we are in basketball season, so let's start off with a big-picture thing here with the uh, with the Horn Frogs. It's been a couple of years since uh, Jamie Dixon has had this team in a place where, you know, you would expect a Jamie Dixon-esque coach team to be. What is the overall state of the state of the program as this team gets ready to likely miss the NCAA tournament? That's a great question, Pete. I mean, I think the fans right now, based on the success Jamie had up at Pitt, I think, you know, obviously they, they liked the first couple of years he was there. You had the NIT championship, and then the second year you go to the NCAA tournament. But you really don't know what's going on right now. They've had to start fresh with younger players. They lost Desmond Bain from a year ago. And right now there's there's kind of some restlessness going on among the fan base because this was a year that – Hopefully they, they had a chance to compete in the Big 12. It didn't seem like it was going to be a, a really strong conference, basically from you know the five spot down. Um, and right now they're sitting around eight. The, the game they had the, the last uh, on, on Saturday, they, they just really shouldn't have lost to a program like Kansas State. Kansas State had lost 13 consecutive games going into that ball game. And, and TCU had a lead late, and they gave it up. And you just don't know. You just don't know where things sit right now. If you ask a fan, they're ready. I think the uh, the 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 flames and the pitchforks are coming out for Coach Dixon. I think they're they're ready to see some some better results. But you know, for TCU, it's not really known as a basketball program. So for me, it's kind of like you know, if they finish anywhere between you know four and seven, it's in a it's in a decent spot. But I, I think a lot of people would like to see another NCAA tournament bid. Yeah, and um, expected, like you said, based on what Coach Dixon did during the heyday of Pitt basketball. Uh, Jeremy, let's go to the football side of things. Of course, that's where you are focused at uh, Horn Frog Blitz, covering the TCU Horn Frogs. Speaking of, of, um, I mean, there's never going to be a pitchfork out for Gary Patterson. They're going to have a statue of the guy. There's no doubt about it. But this is now three mediocre seasons in a row. Um, it's not the defense's fault. We know that. It's been there under Gary Patterson. But how much pressure is there for Gary Patterson to break this streak of mediocrity that's that's been the case for the past three years? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. And he does have a statue, Pete. He does have one already. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's, that's, that's the bad omen. That's, the statue came out, and then the mediocrity started happening. But, you know, if, if Gary had his way, he wouldn't have had that statue. But I think it was one of the dying wishes of a big donor wanted to wanted to get that statue built while he was still alive. But anyway, the – the thing with uh, TCU the last few years, it's, it's kind of strange because you really haven't seen TCU, especially under Gary, have you know three consecutive bad seasons. It's usually been one bad season and bounce back, and, and at worst two bad seasons and a bounce back. So it's there's there's been a lot of change. I mean, last year if you look at uh, the way they played the Big Twelve, they finished five and four first time since 
2017, they finished above 500. So you saw an improvement. They were three and six in 2019. Uh, the, the offense, man, it, you, you can't, I mean, you could be a rocket scientist and not figure out what's going on with the offense sometimes. But I will say this, it was really their first year uh, in really a new system. You had Jerry Kill there, special assistant to the head coach, basically the, the offensive head coach now. And there was not really an identity at the beginning of the season, but toward the end, you could see TCU really wanted to establish the run game to open up the pass. Uh, when they tried to pass early in the season, Max Duggan was running for his life. Uh, the offensive line play wasn't great, but I guess about midway through the season, they really started to click a little bit better. I think out of the first nine games, the offensive line had seven, seven different starting lineups up front. In the mm-hmm. last three games, which they, they all won, um, they had the same lineup. So offense, the, the thing about them is that they have a lot of key guys coming back. Obviously, they have to replace um, some really special guys on defense. But this this is one of those years that 2021 has kind of been uh, a season that a lot of fans and media have looked forward to because you have some of the younger players that are older now, sophomore, juniors, and, and some seniors. And I think the expectations are going to be pretty high in Fort Worth this year. As as it should be, uh, Jeremy, and and kind of a loaded question here on the offensive side. But is is Max Duggan a guy? Do you think Max Duggan is a guy who can get you to a Big Twelve championship game? I mean, we saw some nice wheels at him in his first year. Uh, he improved last year, but can he be a Big Twelve championship winning quarterback? That's a great question, uh, and I would say definitely the one area he has to improve on is just being more consistent as a passer. Uh, everyone knows that. Max has a strong arm. Uh, his, his accuracy hasn't been the greatest, but it was crazy because his stats improved last year. He, he actually threw four yards per game as a sophomore than what he did as a junior. And I think in, in two less games um, this past year, compared to his true freshman season in 2019, he actually rushed for more yards and scored more touchdowns. And his quarterback efficiency has gone up. But, I mean, it's it's clear to see anyone that watches TCU football games, the, the passing game was lacking very heavily, especially early in the season. But, again, you had a guy, Max comes in against Iowa State in the second half and throws for 241, and then the next week against Texas, he doesn't do a really good job throwing the football, but he's, he's effective running the football. So you gotta you got to blend the consistency together. He's got to become more of an established passer and a runner at the same time. I, I think – if, if, if you ask anyone around the program, Max is, you know, he's consistently averaging around 150 to 180 passing per game and around 70 to anywhere between 100 and 110 yards running the football. I think if you ask anyone around the program, they'd rather see that passing number increase to around 280, 300 and then running the football less. But he is so effective running the football, you've got to use use that weapon somehow. But Again, that offensive line was was such a makeshift offensive line early in the year. He's running for his life. A lot of those rushing yards he had were basically off scramble. So the offensive line has got to get better, and I think it's going to be better this year. I think, obviously, they lost T.J. Stormont, but they got a a, a good transfer in Memphis offensive tackle, Obina uh, Obina Easy, who uh, started two years at uh, Memphis, and he's he's really a, a really effective left tackle. So I think they'll be good there, but – uh, it, you know, the biggest question mark right now is what you asked. Is, is Max going to be consistent enough? And for me personally, I, I feel he is. And, and people won't believe this, Pete, but it's it's crazy to say the first two years that Max has started at quarterback, he's put up better numbers than Andy Dalton and Trevon Boykin. And every TCU fan remembers who those guys are. 
He's Jeremy Clark, Horn Frog Blitz, covering TCU, joining us here on the show, talking some off-season Horn Frog football. So, uh, Jeremy, as as you look at the offensive side of the ball, um, and we just talked about Max Duggan, what is the reason if they're going to turn this thing around, and the offense has to be a part of it? Besides Max Duggan, what's going to be the reason uh, for that offensive turnaround? Is it just understanding Jerry Kill's system better, or is it something else? I think it's uh, just just being able to go out and be able to run the plays, uh, execute executes the biggest part of it. Uh, Jerry Kill is he he likes to just teach the basics and. Basically, you, you've got to be able to execute those things. And, and really what I've mentioned uh, <laughs> plenty on here already is the offensive line. I think uh, anyone looking at TCU's offense last year, the offensive line was was not very good in the beginning of the year. Late in the year, they started to click a little bit better. And TCU ended up running the football really well, ran, uh, led the Big 12 in rushing yards. And you know, Max was a big reason of that based, based off his runs and sometimes his scrambles. But if you look at their offense in general, they have they have got to be more consistent early in the year, and and they've got to be able to protect and and establish the run game early on. Uh, mm-hmm. They they can't wait till game five or game six to really start clicking. And, and the good thing about uh, next year is a lot of those guys return. They lost Dormant as I mentioned earlier, but they do have Easy coming in the Memphis transfer that they feel really high about. And there's a ton of experience. The, the, the crazy thing that uh, a lot of programs benefited from last year in, in TCU is one of those is the COVID uh, situation did shut down some things, but it also gave players a lot of opportunities to get out there and play. Uh, for TCU's case, they had some kids missing games due to COVID, so you had to get guys in there uh, sometimes just uh, off a day or two preparation to go in there and, and be ready to be the starter. Mm-hmm. And for TCU, they had a lot of guys that were able to do that. Their left guard has uh, a very strong two or three deep. Center's got a very strong two or three deep. It, it's the same thing with right guard and tackle. And, and they're really experienced moving into the 2021 season much more than what they had at the beginning, beginning of the 2020 season. So I, I see that as a bright spot. I'm very talented. They got some very talented young guys, too, that I think can push some of these older guys, but it, it's all going to start up front, Pete. I mean, it's it sounds cliche, but you win football games in the trenches. Mm-hmm. And and really last year, some of those games, especially the Iowa State game, I mean, that was one of the worst offensive line performances I've ever seen a TCU program have. I mean, it, football team have. It's It was just, I guess, a three-man front. They were giving up sacks and sacks and sacks, and, and they really don't play that way. So if they can just get consistency up front, they'll be fine. And they've got the skill guys. They, 16 years covering the program, I don't think I've ever seen the skill position as talented as it is from quarterback to the receivers they have. Quentin Johnston's a, a, a really good up-and-coming receiver. I think he's going to have a big year again. And the running back core, they've got a, a, a running back core that's five deep right now. And you had Zach Evans last year, who was the number one running back re- recruit in the nation at one point. And at one point was actually the number one recruit overall. And he wasn't even starting at the beginning of the season. So that kind of shows you how, how deep that running back group is. But there is a ton of good skill positions. They just they just got to get more consistent in protecting the whole thing that, that starts it. And, and that becomes uh, protecting quarterback and, and opening those run lanes. So take us through the other side then. I mean, Gary Patterson, I saw, uh, and I forget where it was, Jeremy, but it was a tidbit on pro football focus that in the second half of the season last year, 
TCU's defense was like the second most efficient uh, based on however they calculate that number in the entire country. And it, it didn't get an enormous amount of attention just because of how the season was going. Uh, we know that they're losing their star safeties, but what is in store for Big 12 offenses going up against this TCU defense as we get ready for spring ball? The, the position group that I really love is the defensive line. I think you have Kari Coleman, who had a great true freshman season last year, uh, was second in the Big 12 in tackles for loss, led the country uh, for true freshmen in tackles for loss, and O'Shawn Mathis. Those are two of the better defensive ends in the Big 12. O'Shawn Mathis, uh, it's crazy to watch him develop because two years ago, I think it's two years ago, Gary Patterson comes out and tells the media, hey, O'Shawn has a, a chance to be the best defensive end we've ever had here. That's a lot of weight to put on a kid when you're talking about a program that's had Jerry Hughes and, and guys like uh, just get going in there and, and, and getting all Big 12 and, and going into the NFL, especially guys you're talking about Jerry Hughes and uh, the Schobel brothers and everything else that, that Gary coached uh, early in his career. But O'Shawn really put it on uh, the last few games of the season last year. He ended up, uh, I think, second in the Big 12 in sacks. So, Defensive end is, is really good for them right now. Defensive tackles, they have all their experience coming back. They didn't lose anyone uh, up front, so that's huge for them. Linebacker, they've got to replace Garrett Wallow. Garrett Wallow was one of the top linebackers in the country the last couple of years, and he put up massive tackles. But they've got a guy like D. Winters who some some people think even D. Winters played better than Garrett uh, some games. So that's that's good experience for them coming back. But the cornerbacks, is good. The, the secondaries – that that is that is key for them. That's if their secondary play is good, they're they're always going to be one of the top defenses, not only in the Big Twelve but but in the nation. Cornerbacks. Uh, I mean, if you watched Hodges Tomlinson, I mean, he just he he started slow, but he really became one of the best corners in in the nation. I mean, there was there was a point where teams couldn't complete a pass on, and he ended up leading the Big Twelve and passes broken up. And the one guy that might even be better than him, Pete, is Noah Daniels. I mean, Noah Daniels got injured in the Oklahoma game, but up, up to that point, I think Daniels was, uh, I think, top three in the nation for uh, cornerback efficiency uh, based off pro football focus. So he was having a really good year. Um, but the safeties are a concern. You don't, you don't just lose a guy like Merrick in Washington and, and see that secondary being okay. Merrick was basically a quarterback for the defense, extremely smart, extremely athletic. That's why a lot of teams have him. Uh, going in the first round uh, on these mock drafts, and, and Washington, Washington was not the biggest guy. He he plays well above his size, and he's another smart player. Uh, just got had great instincts, great instincts, and so you're looking at losing those two guys along with Wallow. It's those are three three big uh, players that they're they're going to have to replace. But the one thing that I'll, I've always told people over the years, even when they've had seven or eight or nine guys missing off the defense and you're having to replace them. As long as that guy named Gary Patterson is walking on the sidelines for TCU, they're going to be okay on defense. They're going to find the best guy that's going to fit their defense and help them be successful. So as long as Gary Patterson's still calling the defense, I think they'll be fine next year. He's Jeremy Clark, Horn Frog Blitz. Can't wait for spring football to be here in right around a month. Jeremy, always great to talk to you, my friend. Thanks for being here and, uh, we're already fired up for the uh, for the spring games. I know that you are as well. Thanks, Pete. I always enjoy it.
He's Jeremy Clark. Good to have him on the show, and they do a great job at hornfrogblitz.com. Please go check him out there if you're a TCU fan or even just a Big 12 fan in general. And by the way, leave us a rating and a review on this podcast. I got a free Heartland College Sports Koozie with your name on it when you leave me a rating and a review and send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Appreciate you guys, and uh, hit that subscribe button as well because we're going to talk to you very soon here on heartlandcollegesports.com.